Take the guesswork out of your cannabis shopping with the ECS DNA kit by Endocana Health. If you take pride in your canna nerdiness or are just canna curious, this kit empowers you to find more about the best cannabis choices. Right now, you can save 25% off your DNA test at endodna.com using promo code POD25. Your purchase includes the Endo DNA Collection Kit, Endo Decoded Report, personalized cannabinoid and terpene suggestions, and Endo Align products matching in your state. There will also be suggested dosage guidelines and optimum methods for inhalation or usage. Once you know your personal ECS data, you can shop Endo supplements tailored specifically for you. And right now, Endo DNA is celebrating their new patent with a buy one, get one offer on their Afika soft gel lineup. And since I know that many of you struggle with sleep, I want to highlight Afika Unwind, created to support health sleep cycles using patented proprietary formulations of hemp-derived CBD, terpenes, and essential oils. If sleep is eluding you, sweet dreams are in your future. Buy one for yourself and get one for a friend at endodna.com. And don't forget promo code POD25 at the checkout for 25% off your DNA test kit. This industry, it's crazy overregulated. Nuclear power seems a little more dangerous, but any random person can sign up for the MIT College Tour and they show you the nuclear reactor. You get to look at it. We have none of that. This is the Cannamom Show, a podcast chronicling the inspiring stories of real women in the emerging cannabis industry. Your host, Joyce Gerber, mom, lawyer, political activist, has been speaking with women from coast to coast and around the world who are leaders in the revolution of cannabis and caregiving, continuing on her mission to lift up the stories of the women creating the cannabis industry by sharing their canna stories with you. So go make yourself a cup of tea or roll yourself a joint, sit back and learn something new about this magical plant on The Cannamom Show with Joyce Gerber. From the Tip O'Neill Studios in North Cambridge, Massachusetts, it's the Cannamom Show. Now here's your host, Joyce Gerber. And welcome back to the Cannamom Show, where we continue on our mission of crushing cannabis stigma. Crushing right, it. Dave. Crushing it. Crushed, crushing it. There's so much going on. So yesterday was like literally the most pathetic snowstorm in New England. I don't know what happened to you. <laughs> we actually got some snow in Foxborough, but... Yeah, it was. I felt like it was all melted within like a couple hours afterwards. A little bit of rain, slush. Yeah, two out of three storms don't live up to the hype, right? How could I get it so wrong though? It just it... because they 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 got they've been doing this to us since Shelby Scott was standing out in the snow in 1976. It's like they just they keep the worse they tell us it's going to be, the more they know we're going to tune in. So they got us right where they want us. That's true. That's a good point. All right. So not just snow. Super Bowl. Did you watch? Everyone in America seemed to be watching. Yes, of course. Of course. Yeah, okay. It was fine. <laughs> I, I fell asleep. It, it went way too late. All right. I don't know how they expected I to fell asleep the... too. And my yeah. husband next to me. Yeah. I know. And I woke up and I'm like, shit, they won. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was surprised. Yeah, I was surprised the Chiefs won. But that's we, the only one. <laughs> we had our, Taylor Swift did not endorse Joe Biden at the end of the game. 
So and the world did not implode, and that right. was just a really yeah. weird conspiracy theory. But yeah. you got a lot of people hyped up, so whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, and it's Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy and, Valentine's Day to you. And Ash Wednesday. So many things going on today. I saw a sign outside of a church that I dro- drove by, which said, "Lent is coming. Get your ashes in church. Get Boom. it. Get it. Ashes. Yeah. Okay. What do we do? <laughs> Hot politics and religion. That's what we do here." Uh, speaking of politics, hey, did you listen to the Supreme Court argument? I know you're a lawyer, dude, about uh, Colorado and whether or not they're going to let them keep them on the ballot. And it, they, they did it live. I heard it. No, I'm embarrassed to say I saw all the Super Bowl commercials, but I didn't hear the Supreme Court. So what was that like? <laughs> OK, as a like kind of a legal nerd, you'd appreciate just like mm-hmm. hearing the arguments and how they actually present themselves. And I think okay, Clarence Thomas asked the first questions mm-hmm. twice. Like, he never even used to speak. <laughs> I think he figures now that he's been exposed as a fraud, he has to earn his keep, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, but what, <laughs> but what, the, the, although I'd, I'd love to keep the orange man off of the ballot, th- there is a compelling thing to be said for the fact that why should Colorado get to determine who's on a presidential yeah. ballot, right? I mean, I think it's, it's a good but argument. It's also that word thing. Like, we have this constitution that everyone says we live by, and this is pretty clear. Like, I almost think it's reversed. It's like the 14th Amendment took away some of the state's rights because the states are doing shitty stuff. Mm-hmm. And they put this wording in there. Insurrectionists cannot be on the ballot, cannot run, or not hold office, whatever the words are. It's almost like it's compelling them because that was one of Robert's arguments. He yeah. said, if the 14th Amendment is taking away states' powers, how could Colorado have the power to do this? It was sort of like backwards. And then Kagan was like, why should Colorado say they alone can make this decision? Mm-hmm. But to me, I could see it as the reverse. States are required to do the... Article 2, they're required to do elections or have the powers over elections. And 14th is saying you are mandated to keep insurrectionists off, just like you're mandated mm. to keep anyone too young off. But nobody made that argument, Dave, nobody. Where were where were <laughs> you, Joyce? They needed you. They needed you and I, the two non, non-lawyer lawyers. Whatever. Anyway, <laughs> it was interesting. I, think, I don't think they're going to rule with them, but maybe they won't let them be I, immune. I am okay with the, with the concept generally that insurrectionists should not be able to run for, for president. It's kind of like pick a lane. I'm good with it. You All right. To... So I don't know. I'm not running the world. Let's change the subject. Uh, Tyler Perry. Do you know Tyler Perry? You, you're a fan? Of course. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm eh, not a huge fan, but his successes are undeniable for sure. So he was, I watched him on this random video thing yesterday I was watching, but he's really interesting. And he was, I just like everything about him, but he was talking about how social media is probably the reason why we're all so like mentally ill. And I'm like, I agree. Like, it makes me nauseous, and mm-hmm. it never feels good. And I'm a grown-ass woman. Mm-hmm. Like, what's it doing to our kids? <laughs> oh, there's no question. Yeah. There was a good Netflix documentary on that a couple of years back about how day-to-day it affects people, and over and over again they want to get that. What's what's it? It's not serotonin. Melatonin. It's a, Dep- dopamine? <laughs> dopamine. Dopamine. That's it, right. Yeah. The dopamine rush. And then you're constantly chasing that, and every road leads to, to bad things. And we're we're too we're too in tune with everything, you know. Yeah, it, that's why we need pot. That's why we live. It, okay, I'm moving on with my show and my mission. Hemp guitar. Before we move on, hemp guitar. It is in full swing. The hemp guitar campaign. We have an agreement with the Goods Dispensary in Somerville, Massachusetts, who will be displaying the hemp guitar in the month of April, and you can smoke it. You can play it. It's really cool. Josh and I have been making the rounds on podcast. We're a good team. We were talking about 
the moment I forgot him at home when he was seven on the last podcast. So you would never know what sort oh, of no. things will be revealed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Was he okay? I, I, obviously, he was okay. He, he proved to be <laughs> resilient and he could take care of his sister, I will say. <laughs> how, old, how old was his sister at the time? He was eight, seven, eight, five, and seven. I don't know. I was a lawyer. I was busy. I wasn't smoking pot. I, I was just one of those women who was so way too and I had too much going on. I was leaning way too far in. Right. My husband went to work. I went to work. <laughs> <laughs> They're fine. They know where the cereal is, right? They know where the anyway, toilet is. So yeah. So it was actually it's actually the the moment when I decided maybe I need to step back, but it's a good story and he's fine. So anyway, so you never know what's going to come up if you invite me and Josh to be your guest on a podcast and he'd love to talk about the hemp guitar. So there we go. Yes, we're going to get you. <laughs> we're going to get you on our music podcast past tens. I'm still just trying to work out the details, but we're going to we got to okay. I mean, that that would I, I want that guitarist on our show for sure. Going to be good. All right. I was going to do just a quick culture corner, just a quick little podcast recommendation. All right. The Culture Corner. All right. So this is sort of like a bummer, downer thing, but it, I think it's important. I just lost my cat, so I'm going through a moment of grief. And Anderson Cooper does this great podcast called All There Is. Mm, I haven't it's, heard it's of it. It's about grief, and obviously everybody goes through this. I don't know. if I'm just one of those people when I'm sad, I want to be really sad, and I just go deeper into it. Like, <laughs> I watch sad movies. I just... I don't know. I need to feel it. So this is a really interesting podcast to listen to a lot of different stories. Anderson Cooper has a lot of loss in his life. He talks about it openly. And grief is a hard thing to work with a lot of times. And it's just good to hear. It's kind of like cannabis. It's like once you hear the stories, you want to tell your own. So, yeah, all there yeah, is. Very, that sort of thing is very therapeutic. That's why I always say, as counterintuitive as it may seem, everyone should go to one funeral a year at least or more. Because I don't know about you, funerals to me often bring out the best in people. You hear things that children say about their parents that you've never heard them say before. And it's incredibly sad. But at the end of the day, there's, there's, a, there's a healing. There's a, hmm. there's a so, community. Uh, yeah. You come together. I don't know. We come together. We always say that. Let's come together for a better time. But the family will come together in sorrow. Sorrow finds you people. That's the kind of thing about looking for joy with cannabis. Is. Sorrow's yeah. there. Comes up, it's there. But if you've got to look for joy, that's why we... Mm. putting positivity out there is important because you can live in the negativity there's a lot of sorrow out there yep for sure yeah but but if you are in sorrow and you're having grief it's important to feel it so that's it's like everything it's a double-edged sword i I did a reaction video listening to the billy new billy joel song for the first time and i cried like and i cried like three times it was it was pathetic (laughs) it was so nostalgic and wistful and it just i don't even i don't even know what i was crying about but it just it it made me cry. I got fit- beauty of music. There's like something about yep. music. You put tones together, and it it triggers something in you, and it's you true. need to release it. I mean, I, I we can introduce the guest in a minute, but I am a religious person, and I at Jewish services every Friday night. You say prayer for the dead, and you think about it, and it's like a a journey through it. And when my mother people are sick, it really releases something. It's something about repeating the same words over and over again. It must be like a psychedelic mental thing, but yeah, it's something very therapeutic about that. Yeah, there, there is, there is always like a calm silence in temple when, when they do the kaddish, and it's, it, it always does. It stops and it makes you think about people that aren't here anymore and how much they meant to you. And all right, now I'm going to start crying. All right, oh, oh, there, there you go. The camera. I'm sure you never know what you're going to hear. All right, Dave, thank you for indulging your sadness and your <laughs> therapy. It's a little, <laughs> little can of therapy session today. But today we actually have a guest, so 
Moving on today. Today's guest. Today's guest is the CEO of 1620 Partners LLC, a cannabis risk management and compliance consultancy firm. She bridges the gap between passion for the plant and regulatory requirements in the legal cannabis marketplace across the country. She is also a compliance assistant navigating the complex environment of legal cannabis compliance and risk management challenges while remaining current on industry procedures and regulations. Her success includes helping small, medium, and large cannabis organizations comply with state regulations throughout the organizational life cycle. Here to share her can of why, the importance of compliance in cannabis, and of course, what it's been like to become a cannamom. Please welcome to the Cannamom Show, Melissa Rutherford. Welcome. Thank you. That is such a nice introduction. <laughs> I'm going to give you a scoop. Yeah. So 1620 Partners has changed names. Oh, okay. Uh, so we're now Cobblestone Solutions, and we went from three to two. So it's now a wholly owned, women-only business. My partner, Rebecca, who is here with me today, is... Yeah, why don't we do this? We're going to be like a surprise, a surprise extra guest. So can you just give a quick introduction of your partner, and we'll kind of move forward with, the, with sharing your story. Yeah, Rebecca, please introduce yourself. Hi, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. I got into the cannabis industry back in 2016, right when medical marijuana passed in Massachusetts. And then and these are both Ma- Massachusetts women. I didn't actually say that. Yes, Massachusetts absolutely. cannabis women. Okay, thank you. Yes, going. born and born and bred. Born and bred. And so, so happy. <laughs> so about that. Yes. And then started my own company back in 2019, Cobblestone Integrated Solutions, and had a wonderful experience where my path crossed with Melissa's um, when she was crushing it in the cannabis world in mass. And we really hit it off and we complement each other very well. We provide anything from Inspection assistance to internal audits. All the uh, all the stuff that it's the boring stuff that has to happen because this is a compliance industry. It's really not that fun, people. So let's start in the beginning. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody gets into this because they have a why. I mean, that's sort of like people are staying in it and coming into it. And let's start with actually let's start with Melissa. So Uh let me just so like what was your relationship with cannabis? We're all in Massachusetts. I talk a lot about how in 2016, I had a cannabis awakening. I didn't know everybody was on the pot. I had no idea it was going to pass. So this was not my world. So where were you prior to this? And how did you get, what is your why for being in this industry? Uh, So my original why for being in the industry was somebody was going to pay me to move, to stay in Massachusetts because I was commuting 50% of my time to lovely, lovely Atlanta, Georgia, wonderful people, very nice, no ocean no mountains, no nothing, except lots and lots of highways and lots of lots of travel distance. And so there was this opportunity. I have a compliance background. I wasn't sure if it was F-L-O-W-E-R or F-L-O-U-R when people were talking about cannabis flower. I mean- yeah, and what, what way was this? This was 2019. Oh, so you're a late bloomer. Okay. Oh, hugely late. My, my <laughs> guidance counselor, like in high school summer, is going, what the hell happened to that student? What is she doing? And, but I have, I have 15 plus 20 years of compliance program management, building regulatory opportunities in my head. And so I was headhunted and I interviewed with the CEO of a vertically integrated medical and adult use cannabis, whose response to me was, I have to have compliance. 
I don't care about compliance, but I want my license and I want a successful business. And I said, I can give you that, but I don't know anything about this. And he said, oh, that's easy. I can solve that problem. And he wasn't wrong. And so I st- I was like, goodbye to the Georgia. <laughs> Wonderful people. Thank you for the opportunity. See you later. I'm going back on the plane and staying in New England. I want to go home. And so that was great. And then as I was transitioning out of one role into the new role, in the space of about three weeks, month maybe at the outside, my grandmother was diagnosed with throat cancer oh. and she was going to start the good fight, came home from her house in Florida to be in Connecticut to get, because she was close to New York City, to get the cancer doctors there. She didn't trust where she was. And they basically said, let's make you comfortable. You're 92. Let's make you comfortable. There's not a lot here. And she said, okay, but she flatly refused to take opioids. She, She knew what that meant. She was married to a doctor. It wasn't the end of life experience she wanted. So she went home and Connecticut at the time had had as it has today medical marijuana, but it was a it was very much like mass in 2016. You had to get a doctor's approval. You had to go through four million things. You had to send away two box tops to get your card. So there may have been some family members who may have visited. Right. And I have a very unique experience with funerals as I have been to more funerals than weddings and I'm not that old. Oh. And I, I'm very experienced with end of life from a small child's perspective, a teenager's perspective, and now an adult's perspective. Mm. And I was not looking forward to visiting her because no. those tend to be not fun. No, There's nurses and doctors, there's beeping materials. You don't know what the hell's going on. She was home. Mm. I was expecting her to be emaciated because she couldn't eat pretty much non-interactive, but I love my grandmother very much. She's very important to certain aspects of my life. And I steeled myself because that's what a good grandkid does. And I went and I had no idea. Zero, none, ninguno. I'm really pissed about all the people who told me all the wrong things after this awakening with medical cannabis or cannabis in general and what it meant. My grandmother was chipper. 92 years old, dying of throat cancer and chipper, could not speak because of the throat cancer, was fully dressed, was eating food. It was actually the day I visited her was the day Tiger Woods won his last green jacket. She loved golf. She was a Tiger fan. So not that I care per se about golf, but we bonded watching the golf game. And then- Oh, I'm getting the oh, chills. I really yeah, am. God, you're literally getting the chills. <laughs> she, was, she was cognizant. She knew who I was. Yeah. She was happy. She napped, 92, cancer, like you take a nap in the middle of the day, it's a thing. And my aunt, who was her main caretaker, looked at me and said, hi, you're here, guess what? I'm going to kickboxing class because I need to relieve some stress. And I was like, okay, what do I need to know? And she said, your grandmother's taking a nap. She's in that her bedroom became the living, her living room became her bedroom. She's there. You can stay here. You can turn the TV on. She won't, she'll sleep through anything. But if she wakes up and she's in pain, get this tincture out of the fridge and give it to her. Okay. Anything else? Nope. That's fine. That's all she needs. Okay. She's like, good. See you in two hours. I was like, go have fun. Go beat on things. I guess. Right. Yeah. 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 So grandma's napping. It's me in the house. I'm kind of walking around exploring some nostalgia things, opening cabinets I wasn't allowed to as a kid, you know, the things you do. And I being on, 
an organized type A kid, I go to the fridge to look at the tincture. I'm looking at a brown bottle with a dropper in it. Nothing. Nothing. The it it may have had a brand name on it, but it didn't mean anything to me. And I'm like, dropper. And I pull the dropper out and it doesn't have anything on it. I was like, what oh, there's the no measurement? Nothing. Wow. Nothing. I was like, okay, this is not cool. And then I opened a few more cabinets and there's some chocolate. And I was like, well, all right, grandpa, you go. Fortunately, she napped the entire time. When my aunt came back, several of my uncles showed up as well. My grandmother had six grand, excuse me, six children. And I'm one of 20 something grandchildren. Wow. Uh, and so they started doing things. They put the tincture in some honey, put the honey on a biscuit. She ate the biscuit. I was like, whatever she eats is great. But I was able while she was awake to tell her I loved her, to have a conversation with her. Obviously, she couldn't speak in the same way we're doing now. But I could say, I just want you to know that one of my fondest memories is when you took me to the MFA when I was eight for the first time. And if you didn't know, that inspired me to get my history degree. And that love of learning and knowledge has led me to where I am today. And I just want you to know that. And then she went to bed at 7 p.m. because again, 92. And I, I had a great day. And I have other memories with other extended family and grandparents that aren't that positive. That and I mean, I, that I is such, that is like, I mean, those are stories I hear a lot, but, yeah. but again, the whole idea that this is medicine that comes in a weird brown bottle and there's no even measurements on the measuring. I, I just, it's a little tricky. So, but me. this is, but again, this is how people for most of humanity kind of healed themselves. We've just used to like a more compliant oriented medical because yes. we live in this era, but it is possible to make it more compliant and regulatory and consistent, which is why you guys are kind of here. But all right. So that was a big why. (laughs) Rebecca. So were you a cannabis person prior to 2016 or so? And yeah, what's your why for being in this industry? Yeah, I will say I I used cannabis when I was younger um, Mm -hmm. and through college here and there when I graduated college, there was a time period where I really wasn't a cannabis user at all and stumbled into the industry like I think a lot of people do and was approached by someone who wanted to start a business and said, listen, I met this woman and she's amazing. You have to speak with her. And so I took the time. I spoke with her. She was really at the forefront of trying to bring medical marijuana to her town for her child mm-hmm. who was having seizures. Um, and, and what she, year was that? That was in 2016. Okay. Right when medical marijuana passed in Massachusetts. Right. And I was, I was in shock and in awe, I think at that time that cannabis was used as a medicine. I didn't even, I really, I really didn't have a clue. I mean, I had, I'm not, I do not have a science background whatsoever. English major, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Wish I, wish I was an attorney, but (laughs) English major and really opened my eyes. I was, I was really just taken aback by her desire and her drive and how much it really meant to her child and that it would be life changing, life altering. And then I, I recognized cannabis as a plant and as a medicine. And I turned back to that gentleman who approached me and said, let's do this, right? Let, let me help you in any way. 
So what, what did you do to help them? What were you? I actually was his executive director to help get him through the local municipality. So helping find sites and then get his application, get his license, and then help build out the facility. So you saw early on, like, this is, again, this is a local role. We're in Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. Each town gets to decide what they want to do. I talk a lot about the host agreements, which that's a whole other discussion. But in the beginning, you had to be medical, you had to be vertically integrated, right? Correct. Mm-hmm. And Joyce, I mean, I could tell you story after story where we went to some local towns. And I had a woman approach me at one point and she said, I'm going to find you in 10 years and talk to you about all the children that you're going to kill. And I was horrified. I mean, I, I was horrified. I lost sleep over it that night. Just because um, you believe it, people, doesn't make it true. So we've lived, yeah, in well, really stupid, I think, we've lived in this story for a very long time. And it's people like you who are coming forward who have grandmothers who live in Connecticut and women who wear pearls and are talking about this at a very professional level to say, this is this is how, people, well, again, like how people through all of history have always kind of used this plant medicine. It's been illegal for a ridiculous story and we're trying to bring it back. And we're being, you're being brave when you come in and do this, especially the moms. The moms are the bravest. Yeah. Well, and, and she was a mom and I think it, it really opened my eyes. And, and the reason why I brought that up is because it opened my eyes to the fact that, hey, I had to educate myself that this mm-hmm. is actually a plant and medicine right. and it's helping people. Right. So now my message when I go out there to try and help someone find a location in a town really has to be education now, which which was something I didn't anticipate at all early on. That's interesting. And it is I think this is back to like human behavior. No one wants to believe that what they believe is wrong. No one wants to believe that. And if you've held on to this belief for so long that this is so dangerous, that you have to go to prison that we've justified, justified sending people to prison. You have to really believe it. So. I find these stories of healing are really the things that are changing people's hearts and minds because they can see someone they love and they can see something change and then it opens up a space. And I interviewed a pet, someone who's making CBD pet products. And she said that's happening with pets and humans. So they'll see their pet who they love use a CBD product and feel better. And then they'll try it as a human. So it's these small stories, I think, that are going to change the bigger story. But that's kind of where you started, that, that a personal story. So, all right. So that was a while ago. And, but you stayed in. I did. Uh, I did. I jumped in at that jumped point. In and, you, and, I, and again, this is a really hard industry. Everyone, I talk about it endlessly. Everyone I meet, the women I talk to are literally becoming the people they needed, which sounds like what you guys are doing too. Mm-hmm. So talk to me about, it's Cobblestone now. Is that the name of the? It is. Okay. Yeah. Who wants to talk about Cobblestone and what you were doing out there? Yeah. So I'll explain how Rebecca and I met. Okay. And so I was doing what I knew how to do but this industry first of all it's crazy overregulated uh-huh. I mean again nuclear power seems a little more dangerous but any random person can sign up for the MIT college tour and they show you the nuclear reactor you don't get to look at the rods but you get to look at it they have windows we have none of that So I definitely needed a guiding hand and my CEO had a contact and that introduced me to Rebecca, who at the time was in working with a a third party as well. Uh, So so Rebecca was kind of like, I'm just trying to, so Rebecca kind of knew the industry because you'd just been in it. You'd like gone through the trenches and tried to figure out how to get a space and talk to municipalities and realized how sucky and hard and complicated this is. But you were on a mission to help a mom. And Melissa came into it from, you just, you know how the compliance works. You understand how important it is to like dot I's, cross T's and 
follow all the rules, even if the rules are absurd. So you kind of, that seemed to be the connection. Okay. Yeah. Yes. And so personality wise, we, we were just zinging off one another that first day. It was hilarious. And I was like, this is a lady I would like to have a glass of wine with because I, at that point we hadn't started producing yet. So I hadn't started my taste testing as as we will um Mm -hmm. i am still low and slow five milligrams is fine thank you very much but you know we just connected and then i would have a question or have like what is the angle on this and where cobblestone was working daily with our investigating team and our legislative team and our commission i'd be like hey how does this feel oh x y and z and then I'd get a random surprise inspection. I'd call, hey, I got an inspection today. This is the information you I think you might want to know. And we just, we started working together around what we were both doing. And I really consider Rebecca my mentor in this because she had already gone on her own, right? And and started doing that. So I've been so grateful that she's been willing to work with me and take me under her wing. And it's just been, I think, a very mutual respect. And we we have complementary skills. We have the same set of skills in different angles in different areas. And it's just been invaluable, especially because today Cobblestone works with an awful lot of accidental business owners, Mm. uh, people who never expected to be able to take their passion for something and turn it into a viable business. But what hangs over that ability is the fear mongering and the regulation and the insanity and the host community agreements and all the things and the stigma. I, 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 Rebecca, I'm sure has a million stories, but I have sat in plenty of meetings and listened to people tell me that by trying to license this or trying to get a permit or trying to open a business that I was killing people and that I was causing harm and the children don't, there's two miles away. There's an elementary school. So, okay, I, I, always, I always pull this back. I'm like, I used to be a family law attorney, and it's always about the children. It's about the children. The standard is in the best interest of the children, and no one ever does anything in the best interest of the children. So the children, we're mothers. We're concerned. We're caregivers. And the plant is a caregiver. This industry yeah. should be developed in her image because that is what this plant does. She gives care, and we do too. So let's exactly. talk about compliance. Because <laughs> <laughs> you appreciate it as well. Risk management. It's so important in this industry. I know you're, again, you're invested in helping other people, other people who want to be in this industry do it right. So they're in compliance because there are a lot of risks to this and it's very expensive. And we have the 280E and we have the criminalized stuff and blah, 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 blah. So there's a lot of compliance. So what are you guys doing differently? There's a lot of people out there who want to help in this industry. I meet a lot of women specifically who want to help other business owners, but what do you think you're doing differently? And you're not just in Massachusetts, right? You're national. We're national, yes. Yeah, which is again, each state is very different. <laughs> so, yes. yeah, what are you guys doing that's different? Whoever wants to talk about that, I think I think what we do that's just a little bit different than some of the other groups out there and individuals that are trying to help with risk management, help with compliance, is that we're bringing more operational assistance. We're bringing training. Um, mm-hmm. We're bringing some of those. Those additional ancillary, but extremely important items to running a business in a highly regulated industry, right? So we, we can help a group and that's kind of humorous because we help uh, groups that are extremely small, like family owned 
companies to some of the MSOs have reached out to us and said, can you help us with compliance, right? They have a compliance manager, but because of the interpretation of regulations, um, it's very difficult at times to figure out, should we do this? Shouldn't we do this, right? Is this on the line of of being a little a little too too um um risky Outside. so to speak yeah 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 thank you i mean what do you, i mean like when you're talking about challenges i, I do talk a lot about marketing is a challenge you can't deduct business expenses you know how you build your facility what do you, do you want to talk about maybe like a couple of really the big challenges maybe that are massachusetts i don't know if you're going to new york because i see like I keep hoping the new states will like not make the same mistakes the other states made, but it doesn't seem to be what's working. So I don't know. What do you see as some of the three challenges here in Massachusetts that maybe other states have saw and maybe corrected or maybe that they're copying? I don't know. It's kind of it's an interesting area to be in to see what's the top three. I'm sure there's like a hundred. So. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The top three is, is definitely difficult for sure. But I think one of the challenges, and, and maybe this is more from our side of the fence, but one of the challenges that we have is that every state is different, right? Mm-hmm. So you look at some states that have limited the amount of licenses. Mm-hmm. Um, and so being able to break into that market is a different ball game versus some other states that it's a rolling application. The requirements, Right. So if you're a a social equity applicant, that in itself is just such a battle. It's an uphill battle to try and and win that that license. So I think that's a that's a really big one because each state has has carved out their own way of doing things. I mean, that is a challenge. I mean, it's just the site and that it's you can there's interstate commerce for CBD products, which is now allowing like beverages there are beverages in the regular liquor stores now. It's just, mm-hmm. it's very confusing. Like, where do you, I don't know if you want to like give a stand, but like, I know they're doing, a, they're going, there's going to be April 20th. There's going, I mean, April 20th, April 18th, there's going to be a lobby day in Washington, D.C. A lot of cannabis organizations coming down to talk about this rescheduling, descheduling, talk to lobbyists. Do you have a stand on going to three would be good? Do you feel like, what would I think make rescheduling it easier for your life? Will be, rescheduling will be horrible. Rescheduling oh, is not what we need at all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they don't know what they're doing today. How do, how does making it the equivalent of Tylenol with codeine in it a good idea? I think descheduling, there's a lot of value in that, but it's also what exactly does it ha- what does it become because it is something that you put into your body, which means the minute it's descheduled, it comes under a whole ton of regulations. The regulatory environment and the risks don't go away. And to date, with a couple of exceptions, New York being one of them, but they're not enforcing it, there aren't standards for cannabis production, specifically edibles, beverages, so on and so forth, that meet the standards of a can of Coke, Hmm. right? (laughs) Like, that seems a little insane, Or if we're going to call it medicine or if we're going to have medical specific products developed, not just an Oreo cookie or just a brownie or just a gummy, then we have we have manufacturing requirements that don't exist today. So trying to get to that next level. We're not ready for it. The industry is not ready for it. Because so, like, so, I, I, it's actually interesting to me. So I don't know if it's interesting to anybody else. So, <laughs> so the regulation. So how does that even happen? So again, like 
how we got to be where we are was a complicated story. But now that we know that's a silly story, we're kind of untangling it. So like, you know, in the law, you have standards set up. They've been taking forever. I don't know how they even happened to begin in the beginning. But I know how do we do this with regulations for cannabis? Like who does it? Who's starting it? You know, where where's the beginning and like where does it have to go to refer to be like a real industry? It's so from the excuse me, somebody <laughs> likes to participate <laughs> quite a bit. But so from from the United States perspective, holistically, it has to come out of Schedule 1. Why it's still in Schedule 1 is beyond me. Marinol has been available for about a decade, maybe a little longer. That's a medicine made from cannabis. Like, duh, it's Schedule 1 declares no medicinal value. So it should have been descheduled a decade ago at a minimum. But to bring it into a comfortable business... There's going to have to be a series of decisions made. First of all, it has to come out of Schedule 1, and it has to go somewhere, up to and including descheduled. But when that happens, whatever the decision is, and I know what I would prefer, descheduling, then you're running a legit business that can get access to funding, small business loans, and has a regulatory environment because you are making a consumable it doesn't matter what kind of consumable it is, whether you're smoking it and putting it in your body or you're transforming it into an oil and making a salad dressing or a oil for cake mixing, whatever it is, it comes into the body. That's going to require oversight. It could be the Federal Drug Administration. It could be, I, I know the names changed, but whatever the old Department of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms, because you're smokable, so there's the tobacco relations. It could come under alcohol as a separate entity, or it could come under all of them, which is just a nightmare. What about a new one? Could they create a whole new one just for cannabis? They could. I don't. I don't see the point. I don't want to pay more taxes for bureaucracy. Quite honestly, Ugh. my personal hope is the FDA, because then okay. it comes under. If it's medicine. It goes to good manufacturing standards. It has to meet what every other prescription, what Tylenol has to meet, has to meet the labeling. It's very clear. People know how to do it. It's some degree cookie cutter because everybody's doing the same thing. Not the end of the world. What happens on the other side when it's not medical, then then you have a plethora of initials you can choose from, none of which I think will add value initially. I think they will add more headache, more regulation, which is not necessary, and more confusion. That's that's my take on it. I know Rebecca and I have talked about it, this a little bit and and you're you're not hundred percent with me on that one, but I what, I, what, what do you think? No, I, I, am I, I just I think I, I I look at it from an owner's perspective and wow, how scary is this if mm-hmm. it does go legal because now your manufacturing space does have to be brought up to an extremely high standard if it is fda right you're you're now looking at cgmp um glp standards and it's a different ball game Uh, and that's when that's when you really need people like rebecca and melissa in your life (laughs) and and then what's going to happen when this is a unique situation where a lot of these these products are state specific you can't cross state lines so it's allowing a smaller scale of manufacturing especially like in massachusetts like a place that like what do you think gonna happen in that area do you have a sense i i personally believe that the mso's will pull out of every small area massachusetts is one of them the the electrical costs to grow weed year-round is insane however i think that much like the beer industry with its smaller producers i think that will stay 
it is my expectation that Massachusetts will continue to have small producers and growers who are looking into specifics. Maybe they're taking classic strains that take 12 weeks rather than nine weeks for production, right? Maybe like craft, like craft cannabis, craft cannabis. Yeah. hundred percent that that's going to stay. Every state's going to have that just like every state has the craft brewery. And and the thing is we have the infrastructure now, it's already been built. Thank you. MSOs. Interesting. All right. Oh my gosh. We're so on on time. All right. Um, craft. Uh, all right. Family. We have to talk about cannon momming and family. So Rebecca, are you a mom? I am not a mom. I'm a a puppy mom. mom. I'm a dog mom. Proud dog mom. I did a pet care. I do have nieces and I just wanted to bring this up really quickly. I know we're short for time, but you know, my nieces are are like my, my girls really. And that's interesting because Irish Catholic grew up with alcohol everywhere. I mean, yeah, we have, we have our issues in our family (laughs) with alcohol. I mean, so I think it's good because I have now seen my nieces grow up in a different world, really. That's actually so actually hopeful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, can't, I mean, they know I'm in the industry. It cannabis is talked about in our family. They're not afraid of it. They're not worried about walking into a dispensary. I don't know if for the record. I can't divulge if they have or have not, but <laughs> I don't know. I don't know who's listening, right? But but, but this idea know. that it's normalized and it's culture. So we it live is. again. We're Massachusetts that. people yeah, with alcohols everywhere. It's totally acceptable. I used to say I could pick up my kids at school with a big wine mom T-shirt, and people would have been like, "Yes, of course you are." But right. if I had showed up with a can of mom T-shirt and was holding a joint, I it. it it would have been a whole different reaction to who I am and what my who who would have accepted my children. So this is like my New England mentality. Mm-hmm. But now I exist, you exist, we all exist here, and we're talking about it. And we're we're just changing the culture by existing. So that's really hopeful for your nieces. Yeah, and, and for my friends that have children, all majority of my friends have children, and they yeah. they have two, three, four. Some of so them. they so are they coming to you for like ideas? Yes, yes. Yeah. I, do, I have friends that have said, "I'm going into a dispensary. I've never been in one. What should I get?" This is what I, I'm like. Okay, well, what? So we'll talk about it, right? So it's good because I can kind of educate a little bit. There's you an know. army of us. Um, I take my I take my friends into because it's still intimidating. Again, with the compliance, you can't look in. You have to show your ID two or three times. It's yeah. very very expensive. You have to use cash or your debit cards and it's just a lot of product. So you need people like us to take you in because it's, yes, it is a little overwhelming because um, of the regulation. Because of the regulation. It is. Because of the regulation. Yeah. <laughs> it is. Yep. All right. Melissa, how do you, how does it work in your family? How old kids and what kind of conversations so have, are you having? I have two very age diverse. I have a 22 year old and I have a nine year old. So it's a different um, conversation. Different, very yeah. different conversation. <laughs> I have a lockbox. It's stuff for mom. The kid, the young one doesn't really see it. And, and I am not a smoker. So if I'm consuming, because despite the regulations at the end of the day, it looks like candy. I try to consume out of her range of area, but I know we'll start having that conversation soon. Mm -hmm. She knows I work in cannabis. I don't know that she understands what that means, but she knows that I help keep people safe. Mm. The 22, the 22 year old has when I got the job in cannabis, all of a sudden I learned that she was a cannabis user. It's actually opened up a different bond of conversation and trust. I love that. Which is great. And randomly, occasionally, she'll be like, okay, mom, you're cool enough. You want to come smoke with me? And I'm like, okay, tonight, hon, you, you go have a good time with your friends. So I appreciate that. It's a whole new bonding. I, it's, that's, it is. 
and it's a different conversation because when I was young, we would have been hiding in the closet, trying to spray ourselves, make sure no one got you. No, it was actually the opposite because you probably wanted to talk to your mom, but you needed to stay as far away as possible because God forbid she should smell it on you. Yes. <laughs> and it's similar to, it's similar to my nieces having a drink with their mom now that exactly. they're in college, right? Really? And I always talk about making it through the pandemic. I'd rather be locked down with stoners and drinkers. That was my experience. I, yes. And now that I'm there, I can definitely see why that would be better. And, and uh, I, what, what I about your husband? Does your, does your husband smoke or consume? Or are you? He's a whiskey guy and he's okay. perfectly content. But I, I really, I prefer the cannabis. Five milligrams and 20 minutes and I'm at a two Cosmo happy without any of the bad effects. So what's your, so what's your preferred way to consume? Like what's your favorite? I really enjoy the gummies or the drink mixes where you can kind of drop a dehydrated THC oil and, and mix it up, whether it's flavored or whether I add it to something that has flavor. So it's a flavorless version. I, I like those because it's, it's cannabis on the go and I, I find it very soothing. I occasionally put it in a fancy glass. Even I think for women's events, I always talk about this hosting women's events. If you want to introduce people, the beverages are so accessible because we're used to drinking things at an event and the the effect can be very nominal and that you can have like a five milligram, a two milligram. I just, I think they're a really good introduction. I know everyone always starts with gummies because gummies are there, but I don't know. There's a lot of other ways to try it, ladies. If you want to try it, it's good. And uh, Rebecca, do you have a favorite way to consume? I really don't have a favorite way. Okay. <laughs> I I do just love, enjoy. I love my pre-rolls because I'm lazy and I do I do like to have an edible. It helps me sleep at sometimes at night, depending on what's going on in my in my brain, right? Mm-hmm. That day. Um yep. But yeah, and I actually just bought a new, it's actually right next to me, a new um, salve that I was going to try because I had like a little kink in my neck and didn't want to smell like Ben Gay. That's right. So <laughs> I thought, That's why right. not try this, right? So it's a salve, so which is? It is, yes. Is, is it good? Yeah. Right. Well, I, I did, I interviewed the woman who does, who've invented treatables and she sent mm-hmm. me this lotion, transdermal uh, cream for my pets to calm them down. But it's How just like. It? They're fine, but I had a kink in my neck last night and I used it because it's just, right. so I'm sure my cats are very calm too. All right, ladies. <laughs> that was quick. Let's see. If children. All right. So if there's a business out there, you're in Massachusetts, you're somewhere in the world and they want to connect with you, what kind of services are you offering for people looking for help? And again, how can they connect with you? A to Z compliance services, whether you need a review of your SOPs or somebody to draft them, or whether you're looking for site locations and need to get through local. We we do it all. <laughs> and you can find us at cobblestone.solutions. And Rebecca, you are... Yeah, absolutely. So she nailed she nailed everything on the head. We do everything from operational assistance to inspections and audits, training, and we can we can work with our clients based on where they are in the process. And that, I think, is the most important thing for people to hear because everyone's in a different phase and a different light in, in the industry. And, and we also have been working in different states and successfully, which we're both thrilled about. And you can reach us through cobblestone.solutions um, uh, and our email addresses as well. And I'll be in the show notes. And this is like the real world. Cannabis is like the real world, but a little upside down. And you need specialists because this is a really fast evolving industry with a lot of specific little quirks. So you want people to know those quirks because the details can matter, right, ladies? 
Huge, huge, huge. Okay. Make a difference. Make a huge difference. Okay. Thank you again, Rebecca and Melissa, for joining us today on the Canon Mom Show. So that's another show for my guests. And of course, my Canon Bro, David Yaz, and our Canon Mom Show team. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to the Canon Mom Show. We're on a mission to enhance the impact women have on the emerging cannabis industry by sharing and preserving their stories of love, kindness, wisdom, and hope. Thank you for listening and sharing the inspiring stories of these amazing women building this new industry. So together, we will crush the stigma around cannabis and caregivers. I'm your host, Joyce Gerber. This is the Cannamom Show, and we are a production of Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hey there, this is Cheryl Murray Powell Esquire, and I'm the host of the Terps in the City podcast. I am a cannabis agricultural dietary supplement and trade attorney. I'm also a hemp farmer, and I've been recently named to the list of High Times Magazine's top 100 influencers in cannabis. I'm inviting you to follow me along my journey as I move back to New York to support the adult use market there. You're going to get a chance to listen to conversations with some of my friends along the way. I look forward to seeing you at Terps in the City.